Blu-ray Thursday here on the EP Podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for tuning in, liking us, sharing us, enjoying the show. I appreciate it. I was listening uh, the the other day as I was talking to myself, or talking to myself, as I was doing this episode, one of these episodes, and I'm going, why do I say us and we? It's just me. But anyway... Uh, maybe the multiple personalities in my head are, are taking over. So thanks for joining us and we, even though it's just I and me. But thank you with you and me, then it's an us. And that's very confusing. Uh, so I'm just going to continue on. Got a handful of throwaway topics for you. Uh, that, what I mean, and if you missed last week's edition of Throwaway Thursday, there's no such thing as a throwaway segment in uh, in sports radio or in, in radio and broadcasting. Uh, there might be throwaway topics, though. You don't. It's all about making this the segment still good, even though it's a throwaway topic. It it may not be the thickest part of the steak. It might be a little gristle, but with the right kind of uh, dress uh, gravy on there, the gristle can be the best part. You, know, you see what I'm saying? So just some uh, bare bones here on a Thursday for you. Hopefully you find it entertaining. Still, we've got the NBA, we've got the NFL, we've got stuff from the car world, we've got some jazz. And a shark report checking in from California could not hold his appetite down any longer. I'll tell you about that and more. Let's start, though, today with the news out of the NBA world that Disney World might be the target for uh, an eventual return to play for the NBA. Now, we told you yesterday what Dr. Anthony Fauci said about the likelihood of sports returning and, and having a season. And he said it's not likely right now. Because the U.S. needs to dramatically increase its testing capabilities. And not just testing capabilities, but what it needs to be is a quick result test. It's one thing to take everyone's temperature and monitor symptoms. It's another to be able to swab someone's nose, put it in a little vial, and in 30 to 60 seconds have a result if positive or negative. That's where it probably needs to be in order to work. Uh, properly, and all that said, it has to. We, we've got to make sure that we've got plenty in excess of tests for those who absolutely need them before we start giving them to uh, sporting events. Now, that's the general take on that from Doctor Ant- Doctor Anthony Fauci. If that all comes into into form, if they're able to increase testing to the point where everyone that needs a test in the re- in the regular walk of life gets one. No questions asked, no delay, there's no back orders, no waiting. And they still have enough to give to these leagues that have fast enough results. They're probably unlikely to just go back to all 30 cities in the NBA. This is just my my thought, my, my, my thinking. I'd be shocked if they just say, yep, all, all 30 cities, uh, they're all on board on the same page with restrictions being lifted. It's all free game now go on and play in an empty stadium. No, what will probably need to happen is some kind of campus life situation where the NBA will, and if you're listening to rumblings and rumors out there, it's more than likely the regular season is probably not going to finish. Uh, I think that ship has sailed to finish another 20-something games. Uh, But who knows? I, I don't know. That's just me guessing looking at the calendar. But what would likely happen, in my opinion, is they'd go to some kind of campus area, some kind of bubble-controlled city is what I've been calling it, and play out a few games, get some training camps in, play out a few games, and then boom, postseason. 
some form of postseason. Will it be a 16-team postseason? Will it be an 18-team postseason? I'm not sure. But I don't think that they're going to be able to finish the 22 or 23 games that were left on everyone's NBA regular season schedule and fit in a playoffs and fit in an NBA draft and fit in summer league and fit in training camp and fit in the start of the next season uh, in October. I think that this is going to, to uh, delay and not... Uh, I think this will delay the start of next season for sure. I don't think anyone can debate that. Uh, I just hope they can still fit in a finish of some kind to the 2019-2020 calendar season. So, the idea that's been proposed out there, according to Sham Sharania of The Athletic, is that uh, Disney World and our friend uh, Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports, a former Disney employee, made a similar point a couple weeks ago as well, that Disney World would be a, a good place for the NBA to target and that they are looking forward to kind of like a biodome plan in Disney World if they get the green light. Here's what Keith Smith had to say. I need to get him on the big show to talk about this. He said, quote, unlike many of the other locations mentioned as single site candidates, while Disney World is private property, that includes not only the hotels and uh, EWWS, the wide world of sports, but the immediate surrounding areas as well. In effect, Disney can create a bubble by closing off streets and denying access to any area with relative ease. Some of the other potential locations may be able to restrict access to hotels or housing and the basketball facilities, but closing down the surrounding public areas would be difficult, close quote. He's absolutely right. Disney World is just that. It's its own little world. It's its own little bubble city. It's like the, uh, it's like, uh, what is it, Seaside? What's the name of the town? Seaport? Whatever it is that Truman lives in on the Truman Show. It's like a, it's a man-made world right there in, in Orlando. So I, I like that idea. Hopefully, the, the, I, I just want it to happen. I just want the season to resume in some way, shape, or form and finish so that jobs are saved, so that we have entertainment, so that uh, the integrity of the entire NBA uh, calendar is not a compromise. It will be compromised some, but not the entirety if they're able to finish the season in one way, shape, or form. Fingers crossed, prayers to the stars, whatever you got, put it up there because we need this to happen. Walt Disney World or otherwise, it's got to take place. Rob Gronkowski, uh, even though he was, is just barely back in the NFL, is soaking up all the headlines, and that's what he's always done his whole career. He's an entertaining person. He's a fascinating study. He's a bit of a child, but he's uh, he loves life. He's full of joy, and uh, he, he may be immature in areas and party too much or whatever you want to think, but the guy's never not smiling, never not having fun, and i I, I got to appreciate him for that. But sometimes that gets him into a little bit of hot water and a little bit of quote-unquote trouble. Like he got himself into after the draft on Saturday night. He was uh, co-hosting a after-draft party with ESPN's Sage Steele. And she was making comment about how Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick that went to the Bengals, had reportedly been uh, studying and working with the Bengals' playbook for weeks before he was drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, that prompted Gronkowski to say to, to make a, a comment that uh, he said, well, I, I've been in, well, in fact, let me get the exact comment he said, quote, I was in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playbook four weeks ago, and I wasn't even on the team, close quote. 
Well, that launched a, a big, that opened a big can of worms because that would be completely illegal against the t- uh, rules in the NFL because he was still a member of the New England Patriots. He was not, his, his contract was the property of the Patriots, not another team's. Therefore, he cannot study another team. He cannot legally have possession of another team's playbook. Now, that has never stopped the Patriots in the past from having uh, stolen and cheated to get other teams' plays. (laughs) Sorry, a little shot there, but it's true. But the NFL uh, was up in arms of the fan base and the media was like, that needs to be investigated, that needs to be looked into. Well, Gronkowski then has now uh, responded on social media. I think it was Instagram or Twitter, one or the other. And he said, uh, he put the following statement, quote, This is seriously a story, LOL. I was just joking around with Sage as I was pretty much the whole time that night when I was co-hosting the show. Wowzers, my co-hosting skills on point, LOL. I actually just received my team-issued Surface today from the Bucks, and it's still in the package. And hoping it is all pictures and drawings, I'm pumped to open it one day, hopefully soon, and follow the arrows to learn where to run to. Gronk run, Gronk catch ball, no playbook needed, he he, close quote. And then he's got a picture of himself clutching the, the I assume, it looks like a FedEx box, might be UPS, I don't know, a FedEx box with the playbook loaded onto a Microsoft Surface inside of it for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I absolutely 100,000% don't believe him. Uh, I think that he did have the Patriots playbook for weeks, or sorry, the Buccaneers playbook for weeks uh, before he was actually a member of that team. I think that was his plan since the moment Tom Brady told him he was going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, when It could have been a year ago that he told Gronk that was his plan. But I don't care that much. It's not that big of a deal. He knew he was going to be on that team. He had been retired for a year. He knew he was not going back to football unless it was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why not? Now, there's people out there now raising their hands and say, but you said it was against the rules. Yeah, technically against the rules. But it's not like he's doing it to cheat. He's a member of that team. He's, you know, he's not using it to get an advantage over another team. He's now a member of that team. So anyway... Gronk, never too far from the headlines and never too far from a laugh. Uh, I wonder if anyone has a really has a problem with this other than Patriots fans who wish that uh, he were still with the New England Patriots. All right, California recently reopened a lot of their beaches along the coast there. And look, I'm a California beach guy. I love the beaches in California uh, from the north to the south. Absolutely have always enjoyed every single time I've gone to a beach in California. Uh, There's a lot of things I dislike about California. That is not one of them. It's honestly the, the, and this is not shocking to anybody, it's the one thing missing from Utah's landscape is is an ocean beachfront. And you can't have both. So you, you deal with it here in Utah. You make the short drive to California and you enjoy a week there or whatever. But I would rather live here than there. This is a nice place to visit. Getting way off task here. The point of this is that they reopened the, the beaches recently, and a stretch of Moonlight Beach has now been closed once again after a boogie boarder told lifeguards he was bitten by an aggressive shark. Donna, Donna. The reports came in just before 6 p.m., according to Z7 San Diego. In uh, the Encinitas Fire Department, Deputy Chief Robert Ford said the boogie boarder first told lifeguards he was bitten by a shark 
and the beach was immediately closed one mile north and one mile south of D Street. Ford said interviews with the man on the way to the hospital determined he may have collided with or kicked the shark, injuring his ankle. He did say it was acting semi-aggressively, Ford said. Lifeguards are treating the incident as an aggressive shark sighting and will post advisory signs along the beach for the next 24 hours. Close to uh, 10 SDSO units responded to the beach after initial reports to help with crowd control. Moonlight Beach and other shorelines across the county reopened Monday after a month-long coronavirus-related closure, as we mentioned. That was a short-lived opening for the Moonlight Beach, at least that two-mile stretch there, three-mile stretch total uh, there uh, at Moonlight Beach. What essentially happened here was the shark finally saw a human that hadn't seen in weeks because of coronavirus and took its shot. That's my belief. I, I, I've, I know Shark Week has their science that tells you sharks are only aggressive towards humans when they think they're not a human or when the humans are aggressive towards them. Please. You, you, you climb inside a tank full of sharks then. I'm not. Be my guest. You go surfing uh, in, in, uh, in shark-infested waters. You go right ahead. I ain't doing it. There's a reason I have gone surfing less than five times in my life. Failed miserably at all five of them. It was still better than working, but I was. It was a hard. It was hard work. And there's a reason that I no longer venture out past oh about twenty feet into the ocean at the most, beyond the shore, I should say. And even then, you could have some shallow sharks sitting in there. But sharks, sharks are it. And sharks are the least of our worries in the oceans. If I could get on my soapbox for just a moment, we know like 16% of the species that live inside the ocean's depths. That's it. There's got to be so much more down there that we have no clue about. No, no idea how dangerous or not even it might be. Don't tempt fate. Go ahead. and this guy was just boogie boarding. So I don't. That's to my to my. Uh, I may. I, I'm going to now. I said no, no further than 20 feet off the shore. That's now going to shrink back to where only my feet are in the water. Thank you very much. When I go visit the ocean, and uh, call me a paranoid, call me a worrywart. Fine, but I'm going to keep all my limbs. Thank you very much. But humans, not the only species, bored with this whole coronavirus quarantine segment of our lives. Joe Ingles, The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK takes place every Thursday morning right here on the Zone Sports Network, 1280 AM, 97.5, 97.5 FM, 1280thezone.com, blah, 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 blah. He was on for his weekly visit this morning, and they threw the, the question about the NCAA decision to allow student athletes to explore ways to make money off their likenesses via endorsements, autographs, influence on social media, whatever they can do. They are one step closer to allowing that to happen. They threw that uh, idea Joe Ingles' way, and he talked about how when he was a youngster, he didn't go to college, but he signed up to be a professional basketball player in Australia at a young age, and he blew through a lot of his money wanting to be the guy at the bar, the guy out to dinner with his friends, the guy uh, who was always buying, paying for everything because he wanted to be that guy. And when he turned 21, I think is the age he said, he realized, I got I to gotta fix this. I'm not going to be able to make this kind of money forever. And so he got into real estate. And he channeled his money that way, and he's been able to create a little uh, uh, nest egg for he and his family, and he still is making $40 million from the Utah Jazz and the, by playing in the NBA. His advice inherently in, the, in these comments was to these youngsters who are now suddenly going to find themselves with a lot of money, 
his advice is, I think, apparent. That money is can be disappeared real quick based on who you surround yourself with and what activities you choose to partake in. So that was uh, one part of his comment. But then they asked him, I thought, something that might be interesting for a throwaway topic. Perhaps uh, people interested in real estate listening to the EP podcast. Joe Ingalls, real estate tycoon, asked for some advice to give some advice to people who are looking to dip their toe into that area. So as you dip into real estate, and you're talking about how it's mostly uh, exclusively Australia as opposed to the U.S., well, what counsel would you have for people who would like to do that and find ways to build up their equity and their financial situation? I think you've got to – I think one of the hardest things for me when I first did it was at 21, 22, was um, <laughs> going to the bank and getting a loan. And I, I still remember the, the first time I went in there to ask for a loan and how much I was asking for and what I was making at the time. And I was like, man, I'm very like – it's going to take me my whole lifetime to, to pay back. Like it's, um, and I think that daunting feeling of, um, for me, it was like I, I don't, I hate debt. I hate being in debt. I hate owing people money if I do. I hate, um, I hate being in debt to the bank. Um, but it's a, it's part of life. It's. I was talking to a friend the other day, and they bought their house and what you end up paying back in interest compared to what you actually settled on the price of the house, you, pay, you end up paying so much more money. It's sometimes nearly double what you pay or, or whatever for the house. So, um, yeah, I think overcoming the, for me, it was like the fear factor of, of being in debt. And then um, obviously if you're financially stable and you know what your income is and it's consistent, you can um, you can obviously offset that pretty easily and and know what you can spend and what you need to save but um yeah i think diving into it and um kind of not looking back you obviously got to do your research because you don't want to buy a property that you're going to lose money on or you can't rent out or whatever it is so you've got to find the right areas and the right price and um a part of that is not being in a rush Uh, i've been very lucky that i'm not not a quick guy anyway but i've never been in a rush buying property and i've i've been able to do some some really good deals and and get some really good deals so um yeah i think uh, overcoming that fear of 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 diving into it because it's a it's a a big thing you you go to the bank and tell them you need five hundred thousand dollars and it's gonna you see how much your payments are and the, the loans over 30 years or whatever it is and um it looks like it's never going to end, but you can you can do a lot once you kind of dive in. Real estate advice from Joe Ingalls LLC is no is not uh, applicable by law. Now, a little disclaimer there: Joe Ingalls is not telling you what to do or what not to do. He's just giving you his example of what he went through and what uh, the biggest obstacle he faced when he started out. So, our thanks to DJ and PK for lending us the Joe Ingalls Show uh, yet another week here on the EP Podcast. All right, the biggest story of the NFL draft continues to be the biggest story of the NFL draft, and it's local guy Jordan Love going to the Green Bay Packers, who moved up late in the first round to get him there at the 26th pick. Aaron Rodgers went through something similar 15 years ago to the day of the draft when he was drafted. He slipped way down in the draft. That's a different part of the story, but he was drafted to eventually replace Brett Favre, three-time NFL MVP while with the Green Bay Packers' Brett Favre. Well, Brett Favre was on the Rich Eisen show as a guest, and he talked about two situations around the Jordan Love draft pick with the 
by the Green Bay Packers. He said that he had spoken with Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he was surprised, just like Aaron is, that the Packers went in this direction. Uh, first, first comment here from Brett Favre was uh, sharing his initial uh, just uh, shock or surprise that this was the direction the Packers decided to go. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I was very surprised. I, I really thought that they would go in the direction of, of an offensive weapon. You know, there were several plays uh, from from being in the Super Bowls. Uh, you know, a game away. But, you know, just a few plays. from, from They kind of fought back in that game. And, uh, and nothing against Jordan Love. I uh, have... Not, I mean, no disrespect, but you trade up to get a guy who he may turn out to be great. I hope he does. But you 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 trade up to get a uh, a a more of a project. You know, the, the, he's a little bit unproven. Um, a lot of upside, no doubt about it. Um, but he, he can't help you get to the Super Bowl immediately. And I just think that if you're playing for now, as all the, the teams in the league will tell you they are, or most will tell you that, uh, some certainly are not, but Green Bay is one of them that should, should be playing for now. They don't draft any weapons, not just in the first round, but any weapons that can help immediately, to my knowledge. And that just sends a disrespect message to, to what I would think to Aaron Rodgers. He has, he has every right to be disappointed if he is. Calling it a disrespectful pick and a disrespectful draft altogether towards Aaron Rodgers by the Green Bay Packers, says Brett Favre. Interesting. Rich Eisen followed that up with, well, you said if he is upset, have you spoken with Aaron Rodgers? Brett Favre had this to say. Aaron and I get along great, and I did talk to him. I'm not going to uh, talk about all that we talked about, but he uh, he was, let's just say, surprised that uh, that they went in that direction. And I'm not surprised that he reached out to Jordan, um, being in a similar situation himself 15 years ago. Um, and, and we had a great relationship in spite of what now – um, I wouldn't say it, it took a turn for the worse when I left, but he was basically caught up in the middle of, of a hornet's nest, if you will. Um, I don't foresee that happening here. I think I think Aaron will do whatever. You know, it's not his job to mentor Jordan Love. And, and this discussion went on, you know, when I left Green Bay. It, it's not the head guy's job to mentor the next guy. That guy is ultimately there to take your spot. Now, if if Jordan were to ask Aaron, can I watch extra film with you? I would be shocked if Aaron said no. Uh, you know, I think he would go over and beyond to help, but he's not going to go out of his way, and that's I, I can't blame him. So, uh, getting back to winning now and the importance of having the pieces in place, or almost all the pieces in place, and you you selecting not only in the first round but other rounds other positions other than an immediate need for our offense is uh to me it just sends the wrong message that we're we're preparing for the future now rather than we're going to try to win this thing next year 
There you go. Brett Favre, three-time NFL MVP with the Green Bay Packers from the Rich Eisen Show, talking about Jordan Love's selection. Uh, he's absolutely right that it is not Aaron Rodgers' job to bring Jordan Love along. Jordan Love is a grown man who has become a professional football player now. It is, it is Jordan Love's job to make sure Jordan Love gets better and improves and is ready to go if and when that day comes, he's the guy. I also like to hear from Brett Favre that Aaron Rodgers is not quite the type of guy that if Jordan Love were to approach him and say, can I watch film with you? Can we go over this play? Can you help me here? That Aaron Rodgers would just turn the cold shoulder to him. Now, I want to believe Brett Favre that that's true. I, I, I believe Brett Favre believes that true. that's true. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers seems like the type of guy to me that might turn a cold shoulder to Jordan Love, but who knows? We'll only know when that time comes, and actually we probably won't know for several years because to this point, Aaron Rodgers, or Jordan Love rather, has really been a good soldier for the Green Bay Packers PR team in saying what they want him to say about this situation. So this story will continue to be a fascinating one, and I'm, for one, grateful it's a lo- got a local tie. Wish nothing but the best for Jordan Love. I think he'll be great in the NFL if he gets the right development and coaching. Green Bay seems to be a good place for that. All right, I promised you a little throwaway car world segment. How about the cars that you can still buy brand new with a manual transmission? We get this question uh, occasionally on the Utah Car Sense show, 10 to noon every Saturday on the Zone Sports Network, brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Get this question quite often about why is the manual transmission going away? Well, it's a simple answer. Not a lot of demand anymore for the manual transmission because of the incredible machinery that goes into an automatic transmission with the eyesight technology and the safety measures and the assist driving assist uh, technologies and computers that go into an automatic transmission. Hence, the demand has gone away for manual. But there are still some people out there, perhaps you that's listening to the show right now, who prefer a manual transmission. Well, here's a list from Car and Driver of cars you can still get in a manual transmission. We'll begin here. The BMW 2 Series, the BMW 4 Series, Chevy Camaro, Chevy Corvette, Chevy Spark, Dodge Challenger. Oh, I would love a Dodge Challenger. Uh, the Fiat 124 Spider, the Ford Mustang. By the way, the new Ford Mustang with the bullet uh, look from the 60s. <whistles> Purdy. The uh, Genesis G70. Honda Accord, Honda Civic, and Honda Fit. That surprised me. Didn't know you could still get those in manuals. The Hyundai Accent, the Hyundai Elantra GT, Hyundai Veloster, Kia Forte GT, Lotus Evora GT, Mazda 3, Mazda MX-5 Miata, Mitsubishi Mirage. Didn't know they were still making those. Nissan 370Z, the Nissan Versa, the Porsche 718 Boxster 718 Cayman, the Porsche 911. What a car. Subaru BRZ, Toyota 86, Subaru Impreza, WRX and STI, Toyota Corolla, Toyota Yaris, Volkswagen Golf, and the Volkswagen Jetta. There you go. If you're looking for a manual transmission, sedan, or sports car, there you go. There's 30 you can choose from. May I suggest the Porsche 911? Yeah, I can't afford it either. 
That's it for a throwaway edition, a throwaway Thursday edition of the EP podcast. Hope you were entertained. Hope you had some fun and uh, learned some insight. And uh, we're we'll, we'll, grateful for you to, for tuning in. And thank you for doing so each and every day. Go ahead and find us on Facebook. The EP podcast is the page. Give it a like, a follow, a review. Find us anywhere you find your podcast. Google, iTunes, iHeart, TuneIn, uh, the Zone Sports Network app in the on-demand audio section. 1280thezone.com slash ep-podcast. Google Austin Horton, the EP podcast. There it be. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. The numbers continue to climb. The bosses is happy about that. And I'm tickled that people care enough to tune in to listen to me yammer on about nonsense. But it's fun for me. Hopefully it's fun for you. I'll see you on a Wear Red Friday edition of the EP podcast. Until then, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. (laughs) I I live in Los Angeles, California, and uh, every new idea that comes out of there, they adopt it immediately. And I'm a little more conservative. Like the new one is any man that says they're a woman, immediately you must address him as a woman. And I'm progressive. I'm like, all right, but they should have to pass a test first. Because women have skills men don't have. You can't just say I'm a woman. Do something a woman could do, then I'll believe you. Right? Can you break into my iPhone in the time I go to the bathroom and come back to the dinner table? (laughs) Just something basic. Can you be totally starving but have no idea what you want to eat? You know what I'm talking about. Can you turn a compliment into an argument? That's what I want to know. It's like, babe, you look beautiful tonight. So I didn't look beautiful last night? You're good. You are good. You look so photogenic. So I don't look beautiful in real life? Actually, I believe there's so many things women can do better than guys. Women can do things. Here's one example that I I was at the mall with my nephew babysitting. I'm just walking through the mall, and a woman I didn't know pulled up a knee. She goes, is that your son? I go, no, it's my nephew. And she, she, without any hesitation, she says, he is adorable. What's your name? You are so cute. Marcus, when you turn 18, I'm coming back for you. You're a little heartbreaker. Save him for me. He's like, yeah. And she walked away. Went back to shopping. I challenge any man in this room. Go to the mall. Just approach a woman you don't know. Is that your niece? Can I have a word with her, please? (laughs) Wow. When you turn 18, I'm coming back for you. (laughs) Save her for me. That's a good one. (laughs) You don't get to walk out of the mall. They escort you out of the mall. I was just talking to kids. That's right, R. Kelly. Tell it to the judge. Tell it to the judge. things women could do. How about it's Valentine's Day or maybe your girl misses you and she sends you a romantic picture. You're like, whoa, you're excited. Maybe it's been a long day at work. Ooh, can't wait to get home. She misses me. Women can send those romantic pictures, but men, if you send a picture of you laying in the beach, rolling around in the sand, bending over in a Speedo, when are you coming home, babe? You're not going to get a positive reaction. 
lot of guys are getting busted for taking those romantic pictures. Here's what I do. I turn this show into a TED Talk. I teach men how to take the best, most seductive picture for the women in this room. Here's what you do, guys. Go home, get in the closet, and put all your clothes on. Your best clothes. Don't take anything off. Put on your dress shoes, dress socks, dress pants, belt, shirt, tie, suit coat, briefcase. Make it look like you're going to work. If you really want to turn her on, let your 401k dangle out of the front of the briefcase. Just ever so. Just a little tip. Just a little tip.